My name's Bowen Barrett. I am 28 years old and I play professional rugby in New Zealand. My name is Rose Cadell and welcome to The Life Edit, where I talk to inspiring people about their personal wins and challenges and how they've landed themselves in their current reality. Today I talk to Bowden Barrett about his career to date. Eight years playing for the All Blacks has given him a wealth of experience, not just on the field, but also in balancing his life outside of rugby. He's an absolute professional who leaves nothing to chance and has his routines down to a fine art. Most importantly though, he is a genuinely lovely guy from rural Taranaki who loves his family, his dogs and the game of rugby. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. I'm going to start at the beginning with your childhood. Um, yep. I just want to explain, if you could explain a little bit about where you're from and how you grew up. Yep, I am from Taranaki in New Zealand. Um, I'm off a, a dairy farm, an organic dairy farm, so we grew up in rural Taranaki and I'm one of eight kids, so you can imagine eight kids running around the countryside in rural New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty, pretty lucky, I thought, having so much space and so many opportunities in, um, in Taranaki to, to play sport and to live freely and um, live off the land. Mm. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty appreciative of my parents and the way I was brought up. I'm one of six kids actually. I don't meet many people often that are the same as me. It's like a rarity these days to have more than like three I know. in my family. But I count myself quite lucky actually. So you obviously from a big rugby family and that was a part of your... Yeah, we, I mean, mum was into netball and basketball growing up and dad was into rugby. Um, we're always watching them play sport and, um, you know, they'd take us uh, to play sport on the weekends and then we'd go and watch dad play um, club rugby for Coastal and, and then Taranaki on some weekends. So it was just what we did and all we really knew. Um, so, yeah, as a young kid growing up in New Zealand naturally I wanted to to play rugby like dad and um, and be like him and play for the teams that he played for and so on so um, you know they were never forceful and never uh, pushed us into anything but where that came you know it was, yeah. it was so obvious we wanted to play footy. Yeah did you play any other sports growing up? We played everything anything to get a day off school or <laughs> um, you know bunk classes um, you know from volleyball right through to you know cricket even swimming and athletics um wow. we gave everything a crack which which is pretty cool we get so many opportunities to do that in New Zealand in terms of your rugby career from I guess starting from when you were quite little it sounds like um talk me through a little bit about that progression yep so my earliest memories were playing in a frost at probably 9am in Taranaki, I was yeah, six years old, playing with my brother. With so many kids, um, we had to like, I had to play with my older brother because logistically it was a nightmare and it was impossible for all of us to be able to play and my parents to get us from A to B and so on. So no Ubers. No Ubers. <laughs> I think Ubers just just come to Taranaki, oh, so uh, we're stepping it up a bit. Um, but no, Nana would often take us to, to some games and yeah, from there, Dad would coach um, coach us through that primary school age. Uh, he'd take our teams, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, I was never outstanding or anything like that. I just enjoyed playing with, with my mates. 
kicking the ball around with them uh, during and after school and on the weekends. It's um, yeah, we we sort of grew up. I grew up trying to be like Andrew Murdens back then, and um, I guess the key thing was I enjoyed it. It was never a, a chore for me. Mm. Yeah, that's um, I think such a massive part of it, and well, for me now even like playing for couple of years for New Zealand I think it does always come back to that because it's, you're not always going to enjoy it every day yeah. but at the same time like overall you've got to enjoy what you do regardless of what stage that you're at it's the, it's the reason that you pick the sport up and um, it's probably the reason that apart from maybe old age and sore joints <laughs> that you put it down you know so you obviously played school level and then you where did you go from there? Rep rugby or a little bit of reps. Um, the first opportunity I had to represent Taranaki was in the under thirteens, and I was fortunate enough to make that team and play along um, some of my good mates and still good mates with them today. And then we went through under sixteens and under eighteens um, together, but also played for Francis Douglas um, Memorial College first fifteen for a few years. And once again, I, was, I wasn't a, a standout at school and I didn't make the New Zealand secondary schools. Um, so I wasn't a star, but um, I was always, I always had a good work ethic and um, just worked hard on my, my skills because I knew eventually, you know, my size will come and uh, I may get my opportunity a bit later, later on, which, which came when I um, played for Taranaki and New Zealand Sevens. Yeah, I um I read that you played the New Zealand Sevens actually, and that's quite a common. Well, not really overly common, but there's quite a few people that go through New Zealand Sevens and then on into the All Blacks. Yeah, it's it's a different pathway, and it's uh, suited for those who aren't quite making the the academies or the provincial union um, programs, um, and are just on the fringe. So Sevens is a great avenue to you know, keep working hard and for me it was a great sport or um, code for me because it was so open and it, mm. I guess it suited my open running game and it, Speed. I guess, <laughs> I didn't feel quick back then when I yeah. when I had my first opportunity but from that I built a bit of confidence and then realised it could be a point of difference in strength and I really honed in on that and worked hard on that so yeah, without the sevens and um you know, the opportunity I had playing for Taranaki at the National Sevens competition when I was in that vulnerable period around that 18 years old mark where I could have given it up, gone to university and, you know, mm. boozed up and, and lost, oh, not necessarily lost it, I would have played club rugby and enjoyed that part of it, but um, yeah, it was a pretty crucial opportunity that I took. Yeah, I guess that's the like the crossroads that a lot of people come to, right? Like when they're at seventh form. I know for me, I was going to go overseas and then I decided pretty last minute that I'd stay, well, it was, yeah, overseas, that I'd stay, go to Auckland um, because I had a kind of like nagging feeling that hockey was maybe something that I wanted to do. But I guess a lot of my friends, even the, the girls who played hockey too, they'd go down to Dunedin and mm. eventually the lifestyle sort of got the better of them because yeah. on a Saturday they're not going to be wanting to play Hockey. Exactly. <laughs> uh, like you know, it does. It is for me. It was kind of one thing or the other, really. I yeah. Guess. It's hard to do both well. It is a very tricky period of uh, a teenager's life. You know, tossing mm. up and really believing if you can make it. Um, it was never really clear and obvious, and I didn't know that I could. But it was just one small opportunity that I managed to take, and then one opportunity to another. So. 
so then you you obviously played Super 15. Yep, I started with... Um, so I, I had a full contract opportunity to join the, the Blues. Um, mm-hmm. I was very... Well, that's interesting. Very young. <laughs> but I, I didn't feel I was ready to play, um, you know, full professional rugby. I was 19 years old and, and be playing on the weekend. Yeah. I felt that I could have been exposed too early as opposed to signing with the Hurricanes and taking the development options. So for one year, it was about getting in the gym learning about the tactical side of the game because I'd just come from sevens and playing first five eight, it's completely different. You need a, so that was the conservative but sensible decision that I made going down to a club that dad played for, the Hurricanes, and mm. um, spent nine years down there and absolutely wow. loved it. That would have been a hard decision though, right? Because obviously like when something is presented to you like a full contract, it's, you'd be hugely excited and then to actually think about it and probably a lot of people would have been like that's a weird decision you know to take the kind of yeah but I understand like development is is huge exactly and deep down I knew I wasn't ready it was a lot of money and and some players um would probably just go straight for the money and and Mm. you know take that opportunity but I've always been a believer and longevity in the game and making sure that you've you're ready for when you do get your opportunity rather than being mm. I thought I'd I'd be exposed if I was put out there too early and then once I'm exposed and things don't go to plan then you it's know off, often it's long road back so yeah. I took the slow and conservative um road but uh yeah I, it was what I needed because back then I was 80 kilos I'm now 94 so I needed to put a lot of work in before you know playing super rugby god totally I think watching a live rugby game is quite confronting like it's so physical obviously everyone knows it's a physical game but I just think when you see how fast you guys play and how much weight is behind Mm. each player and they're running full speed at you and you've got to tackle them I just think I'll be like see you later shoulder you know yeah, I've learned how to hide from those big collisions and it's, I'm getting better at it. But, um, oh, look, Hannah always reminds me that hockey's so physical and when I used to watch her, I, I really did understand that it is a physical game. Um, yeah. Yes, so the ball's a bit harder, you know. It sure you is. Play with, you play with hard sticks. So. Those PCs, you girls are crazy running straight at the ball. Like, I do admire how brave you are in those situations. Oh, well, thank you. No, I think... Um, all relative, eh? you just get used to it. Yeah, it is. Once that adrenaline's flowing, you know, you're just in the zone and totally. Don't even it doesn't really hurt. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. So then, a couple years of super rugby or one year or what, and then into the into the age? Um, so it was um, my first full year of super rugby. So it was in 2012 when I, the year after the 2011 World Cup, um, when Steve Hansen started his. Um, I guess it was a new era. He took over. He had eight years in the head coach role, and that's when I was first in the team. So I was lucky to be in his um, all of his teams, and um, yeah, we both started at the same time. What's he like as a coach? How would you describe him in a couple of words or sentences? Um, from what you'd see of him in the media, he he may look grumpy. He may look straight to the point mm-hmm. and yes he can be those but he is not uh, I mean he is certainly 
deep down a big softy and he cares so much about the players like there is um, a really nice soft side to Steve that um, us as players get to see and um, yeah knowing that he really backs you and and you know believes in you 100% and uh, has those moments where he is you know you see that soft side of him it uh, you know it paints a picture of who he actually is deep down and yeah. Uh, he's a top man. He seems like a, a funny sort of guy. You know, you you know that you have to have a very good case or argument if you really want to beat him in a debate. And <laughs> he's just one of those guys. He's so sharp and witty. But obviously, I think having that respect for your coach is massive when you take the field because you obviously a trust them completely in the game yeah. plan that they put in front of you. But then you have the respect for them that you want to do the best job for you know your teammates and. But for them too. Yeah, know? exactly. You want to play so well for yourself, but also you want to prove why he selects you. You know, yeah. uh, most weeks and um, why he trusts you. You want to show that and prove that to him. So yeah. I was fortunate enough to, you know, have eight years with him, and um, you know, without him, um, well, I'm very grateful for what he's taught me. Anyway, one thing that I really admire about the All Blacks team and. Like, I guess I put it down to a few things, and obviously rugby is so massive in our country that you have a lot of avenues for development before you make the big time. Yeah. <laughs> but just, the like, the confidence that you go out and play with, I think, watching people on their debut, scoring tries, playing amazingly well, mm. like, from my perspective, um, confidence was definitely something I struggled with in the first couple of years because I went from school, basically, to, to playing nationally. And yeah. And um, that was obviously something that I had to work through myself. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I just I, I wonder what your take on confidence is and how yep. you found yours. Um, well, firstly, in the all-black environment, it is, it is so good that for those playing their first game, there's so much excitement and basically you're just going out there and only doing your role and that's all you have to do because mm. you know that and basically the team and players tell you that you know just go out and focus on what you do go out and express yourself and because you're new to the game or new to the team you know life's pretty simple like mm -hmm. rugby is um becomes so natural it's mm -hmm. often in the second third fourth year when you try and do too much and over clutter yourself that's when i think that confidence is compromised so for me I get a lot of confidence from how I prepare from Sunday to, to Saturday. So I'm so thorough and detailed in my planning. Um, I think it's so important to plan out my training week so that I I know exactly what I've got ahead of me each day. Mm. And ultimately when I get to the end of the week, um, my body is so fit healthy ready to go uh, to perform at the level that I that I need to but mentally I feel so good because of along the way each day of the week I've nailed every single thing in my plan and I've left no stone unturned so that's what gives you confidence without even realizing just going through those stages through the week knowing that you've done everything you can so that on Saturday it's the fun part you just go and express yourself and I think the key thing for me is to as much as possible play with a clear head and not have a cluttered head even though I'm calling plays and have the strategy in the back of my mind ultimately I have to see what's in front of me and play what's in front of me because you know that's just 
playing instinctively and playing mm. naturally. Without giving away like trade secrets, what are what are a couple of things that you don't like compromise on in, in that week, like with your Yeah, that's um yeah, that's a good question. I I don't like to tinker with too many things, like all your big all my big rocks stay the same, so mm. Whether it's um, my gym, what I'm doing in the gym, uh, my kicking routines, all pretty much concrete. Like I may change 10 or 15% of what I do each week because if it's too much, then ultimately it could lead to inconsistency in the way I perform. So I think it's healthy to to tinker a little bit but not make wholesale changes within within a test week. But that goes back to your planning. Like if it's all planned... You can review it after the game and review the week and then figure out, oh, did that work? Yeah, that was good. Or mm. maybe not this, let's change it up a little bit. And that's how you get consistency every single week. That's my guard, guard dog. dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rugby in our country is like religion. Mm. Um, and for you, like, that's, I can imagine, like, there's so much build up to big games. You obviously have a massive role in kicking. Like, how do you not let that get to you? Like, there's, I, I, I feel like there's so much. People just talk to their blow in the face about yeah. what can potentially be happening in the game on yeah. Saturday, you know? And as a player, you can think what may or may not happen and overthink it before and play a game before you've even played the game. Like, Basically, I just remind myself to stay present in the moment and if I feel myself overthinking on a Thursday or Friday, it is good to go there and do visualisation and mentally put yourself in some scenarios that may make you uncomfortable and uh, like a few what-ifs, but otherwise, I mean, you can't overthink it, otherwise you'll burn out and you'll get to the game, you're flat and, uh, you know, you're not excited, so... Mm. Um, we, we learnt to embrace the, you know, the, the challenge and, and those expectations are always there but I think the beauty of being in the team sport is you're all in it together and totally. whenever totally. you feel that you're feeling under the pump you can always talk to your mate and mm. when you know you surround yourself with your peers that's when you'd start to feel get better again so and a in a hotel scenario, if I feel that I'm, you know, getting a bit stressed out or overthinking, I'll get out of my hotel room. I'll just go to the team room. We'll go for a walk and, mm. you know, or do some work, do some non-rugby work. That yeah. is that takes my mind off it. But um, yeah, keeping a balance in my week is so important, and it goes back to my planning. So a day off breaks up the week. I'm pretty religious on playing golf on my day off. <laughs> um, I went through a period where I'd do yoga on a Wednesday, a yin yoga class and little things like that. Mm. I found really worked and helped break up the, so it's not rugby, 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 and then get to Saturday and it's the biggest day of the week. Um, it's interesting with yoga. I, um, I've had an internal battle with yoga for maybe about four years where I tell myself, right, like I'm going to get into it, like yeah. I'm going to do it. Because every time I do it, I know that it's good for me yeah. and I know that, a, like my body really needs it, but B, I think it's a, um, a period of time where you don't really think about anything mm. else and you do come out feeling really relaxed and it's different to just 
coming home at the end of the day and relaxing on the couch, it's yeah. like your mind switches off. And I think I was thinking about it the other day after I did go to a yin yoga class and I was thinking, man, really hit home how little I actually switched my brain off. Yeah. There's something about being instructed or being told what to do in, yeah. in those scenarios where you you're just going with the flow and you're allowing yourself to switch off. Whereas if I come home and try to do it myself, I just get distracted. I know. But at least in the class, I feel that it's a yeah. controlled environment and, yeah, the instructor will take control of me. So totally. it worked so well for me and I'm a bit like you. I've gone away for, from it for a couple of years, but it, it definitely did work. Um, mm. But instead, I started Pilates, which I felt I, I really did need and that sort of replaced that. I need something for my mind just to calm that down sometimes. Um, your Pilates is good for the ego, eh? Yeah. I thought I was, I thought I was sort of strong, but no, <laughs> definitely not. Hannah shows me up in Pilates, it just, <laughs> and I'm so imbalanced, like it's exactly what I need, and yeah. there's no hiding away from that reformer. It just proves all my weaknesses and imbalances. <laughs> um, just going back to like you're, you're saying a few things about mental skills and when you feel a bit stressed actually going away and getting back with the team, does your um, environment encourage a lot of mental skills training? Like, is there a massive psychology element to it? Huge. Like, we would have a probably a 10-minute mental skills hit every week where someone from that group presents to us, mm. and it's all relative to the challenge ahead for the week. So, And it has... Um, you know, great, great learnings that we can put into place in a, on the training field that afternoon and then take into the game. So we're getting small hits. It might be in the review, we might have a small hit, and then a few days later before the game we might have a small hit. But any time we're encouraged to see Gilbert Anoka, who's, who is an absolute genius, and you never, you never leave his room feeling... Um, worse than what you were you know when you walked mm. in so he is he is super special and you know a big reason of why um the all blacks have been successful for a while so yeah we do place a big part or importance on on the mental skills because um you know it's it's something that you're not born with you have to work on and mm. uh, just like any any skill or any um you know movement in the gym mm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that um, can probably be quite confronting, hey, to work mm. on at the start and to dig through. But, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress for everybody. It sure is. Um, so you obviously play alongside your two brothers, Geordie and Scott. Yep. Um, what's that like? It's awesome. It's... Unique. I can... It's amazing. I mean, we used to run around the, on the lawn on the farm and just pretend to be, you know, Andrew Murdens or <laughs> Christian Cullen or whoever. And it's just so funny that, you know, we're out there doing it and we're actually all blacks. Like, it's yeah. it's not until really you sit back in your off-season and you sort of think back on the games we played this year and in the past and the... I guess we're so lucky to travel and see the world together mm. um, because for a, a few years it was just me and the team and Scott would be down at university, Geordie would be at school, my other brothers would be in Taranaki. So very rarely we got to see each other, but now we're travelling the world together and living our dreams, so it's it's so special. 
I guess that's the other thing, like in an environment that you're in, it's super high pressure. Mm. Um, you have that different relationship. If you've got a good relationship with your family members, it's different to obviously yeah. a friend or even a, even a teammate because I think team the relationships that you have with your teammates are different to friends again, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but being able to have like super honest conversations yeah. with your brothers when you need to on tour is probably a bit of a leg up in yeah. some ways. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, on the field, we'd probably treat everyone in the team similarly, but when you get off the field, it's like, yeah, that's my actual brother. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all brothers in the team, but Same that's my actual brother. brother. Yeah, totally. <laughs> One of my, probably, the, a memory that sticks out of you for me is the 2015 World Cup mm-hmm. and the final win, that try, and yeah. I think that really um, solidified your name in rugby in New Zealand, and I just wanted to hear like your thoughts on that whole experience and just the perfect bounce and the perfect... Yeah, I mean, the amount of times I've heard the commentary or or seen that pop up on you know social media and so on I mean it was a very opportunistic thing that you know I was in the right (laughs) place at the right time and everything fell into place it was just I mean the eruption of emotions after that try it was I mean it's hard to describe but four years of hard work of being on the team and then eight weeks of being in the UK and it's a long Getting time to, to this be on final. Tour. It is hey. so long because that's that's unique in itself. We would tour for I think max was a, like a month, and we yep. were going, we were playing games in all sort of like different countries and whatnot. But being in the same place, yeah, weeks. we're lucky to travel around different parts of London and went to Cardiff, yeah, and up north. But still, travelling together, by the end of it, you want to kill each other. Like, <laughs> How a, do they manage it? Oh, luckily, it, we get to train, we get to smash each other anyway, yeah. <laughs> so you let that, the, the steam off at training. But um, yeah, it was, it was just super special and um, you know, scoring the tries, lucky. I think it was in the bag before that, but certainly after that, it was, yeah, there's no way they were, they were going to come back after that, so it's pretty lucky. Oh, that's awesome. So... Um, for you, growing up and obviously where you are now, who would you say have been some of your biggest influences in your career? Certainly my parents and um, Hannah, the last six years, it's been huge. Uh, but, I mean, every coach that's coached me, I've undoubtedly learnt a few th- a few key things from them which have mm. helped me become the player that I am so I've been feel- fortunate enough to be coached well from coaches in Taranaki at super level and then um, at international level but if I have to say a few people's names it would be Ian Foster would be a huge one um, we've worked really closely together for eight years um, running the attack and the strategy of the All Blacks and um, the trust that he has in me and you know the support and the amount of things I've learned from him has been huge Um, John Plumtree and Chris Boyd uh, taught me a lot at the Hurricanes so yeah I've been I've been coached really well and been lucky to have so much support um, when it comes to rugby and then there's the off off field support which you know, I could be here all day, but those <laughs> yeah, are the key yeah. key people. 
Um, and going back a little bit to what we said before about how you know rugby is like a religion in our country and how we are such passionate diehard mm. supporters, which I just like. I think we're really lucky as a nation to. Yeah. I know that other other countries have different sports like football or whatever that are massive, but there's super there's something super special about New Zealand in particular in rugby that I think. Um, yeah, we're really lucky to have, but obviously that comes with a whole lot of fame. Yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of attention and I mean from being from Taranaki and in a small kind of place and a you know, humble family. Mm. How have you how have you dealt with that? Like walking down the street I guess you wouldn't really be able to go to too many places without people being like, G'day <laughs> I mean it's still un unnatural or I mean I don't necessarily like the Limelight. My mates would say that I do, but they're just full of it, um, and and that's Could fine. Have made hay while the sun shines. Exactly, but um, <laughs> I mean, if I can quickly pop in down the road to the store and get what I need and jump back in the ute and be unnoticed, then that's how naturally I'd like to feel. But mm. then again, if I meet a fan and they want a photo and it makes their day, then you know it makes me happy too. So yeah. I mean, we have to give back so much because I'm you know so lucky to be in the position that I am but um yeah sometimes it can get overwhelming and and it's funny like this time four years ago after winning the world cup when everyone wanted a piece I found that really hard to deal with like trying to say no to people Mm. and it sort of got overwhelming got on top of me and I've you know I was actually in a bit of a hole after that ironically after winning like, the world cup you'd think that, that totally uh, we get told um quite a lot or our, our athlete life advisor is always telling us to you know like what are you doing next mm. what's outside of hockey what else do you have outside of sport because it defines you yeah probably you know as an all black more so than anybody else that after a big event even if you are successful mm. yeah i've what so what was that sort of like and how did you yeah, get it was, out of it? <laughs> I mean it I just learned that going from so much structure to absolutely nothing and mm. then everyone taking time because I mean everyone wants to see the World Cup and everyone wants to celebrate with you but I learned to be a little bit more selfish with my time and um, I've taken that forward and it's it's all about that balance, that life balance and making sure that when you come home, you're relaxed, you're at peace, and then when you go out, you're going out to work and basically being the best version of yourself wherever you are. If it's being a footy player, then be the best footy player that I can be. If I'm at home, be the best husband that I can be. And then, yeah, essentially um, learning from those experiences, coming back here after losing the World Cup. Um, you know, I've, I've coped a lot better than what I have that, you know, when we won it four years ago. <laughs> Kind of interesting, hey? Mm. Yeah, I was going to um, touch a little bit on Japan. Obviously, it's still a little bit raw, maybe. Not that long ago since you've been there. Yeah. Luckily, um, I've been busy. It's been yeah. quite good to be busy. Yeah. And so, how was that experience for you? Oh, it was an amazing experience. Like, spending eight weeks in a such a foreign country, so culturally different. And, um, I mean, in Tokyo, I don't know, 40-odd million, maybe, people maybe more, maybe a bit less. It, it was just a huge place, and the cool thing was we were there, a squad of 50, including the management, and it, it was as if 
there wasn't even a World Cup on until you get to the stadium. So we were loving the lifestyle of or the cultural experience of just going down and popping into little bars and restaurants. And we really did get amongst that um, culture because mm. we knew that it was important to embrace that mm. and um, to connect with the with the Japanese fans and so on. So, mm. And plus it's eight weeks, it's a long time. Like you can't just hide in your hotel the whole time. And, and then the typhoon came through, so that was a bit of an excitement, um, wondering, you know, what's going to happen. And I, was, I, was, I remember laying in bed that night and, whole building was swaying like it was actually genuinely a pretty um, big deal Um, and then yeah obviously we went to the the playoffs and um, went well against the Irish we really got up for that and um, yeah the next game was quite a tough one like we were probably a bit shocked by the way by how good the English were like we respect them as a team but you know they were pretty good that day and um I think because we've we've realised that and we've accepted that they were better than us on the day, it's it's a little bit easier to take. Um, and luckily we were able to spend, although at the time we just felt like going home and getting out of there instead of playing off for bronze and uh, third and fourth place, but spending that last week together and grieving and enjoying each other's company and refocusing to play Wales for the bronze or the third playoff was was a good week because we got to spend time and send off guys like Steve Hansen, Mm. uh, our doctor, Tony Page, um, Kieran Reid, Ben Smith, Ryan Crotty, Sonny Bill. um, I've probably left someone out, I think I have, but that's that's all good. So we made it all about them. Um, Yeah. And yeah, we played played really well against Wales, which we felt, I mean, we were due and we left Japan feeling a lot better than, you know, if we didn't get to play that game, so. Yeah, I think when people understand sport a little bit more, they realise how hard it is, especially in a team sport, to all be on the same page on the same day. Yeah. Like that in itself isn't, is a bit of an art, mm. you know, you can have a couple people who play really well and mm. a couple people who, for whatever reason, don't show up, but mm. for everyone to show up on the same day, and I mean, you guys, you pretty much do that most of the time, like you, your win rate is, you know, yeah. amazing, that when you do have that game, not saying, you know, that you didn't play well, but they played better, um, it's... It's not like it's impossible, you know, no. like you guys are only human. and Yeah, and it, yeah. it comes back to that consistency and figuring out when things don't go well, what was it in that week that potentially mm. I missed or I forgot about or, you know. Um, yeah, so those are the great learnings that sport, or opportunities sport give us to, you know, work on and, and get better because... Luckily, there is another opportunity coming around the corner, and um, often it's only a week later. Mm, so, character building. Exactly. So, in terms of dealing with disappointment, your top tips? Dealing with disappointment, um, I think it's important to to grieve or you know share those down moments together. Um, as tough as it is, it's it's so important to 
share that pain and then bottle it up because you can use it as fuel mm. to drive you uh, for the next time you play that team or to drive you through that next week. Yes, it may not be your biggest driver, but it certainly helps mm. fuel the machine. Um, I think it's important to learn to build back up again. So like every game or every week's like a wave, like you build, 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 play the game and then emotionally, physically, you're spent. You have to come down again before you build up again. So understanding that, sometimes you may lose or you may play poorly and you just want to go out there tomorrow and smash mm. yourself. And so, I mean, yeah, it's important to understand that the wave and how how it works. Um, potentially, we didn't nail that in the semi semi final week. We played so well against Ireland, and we struggled to get back to that same intensity mm. the following week. So somewhere along the way, we we didn't get to the that you know the wave wasn't as high that week. So um, disappointment. I think connecting with your friends and family, um, you know, keeping it real, keeping mm. the perspective is so important because. It is just a game, and it is, a, um, you know, it's sport. Yes, they'll be disappointed too, um, and the media side of it, often, because I don't read any of the media or listen to any of it, my parents or friends will be hurting way more than me, and then they'll text me and say, are you okay? And I'm like, mm. yeah, what do you mean? Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you get sent in the head And then I get oh, angry God. because they're, <laughs> I get angry because they're like, worried about me because yeah. of the stupid media mm. you know getting to them so they're, they're learning to deal with it better as well mm. and um but that's a, I mean that's a great thing about it like that's why we love it so much is because there are those highs and those lows and when you win it feels so good and it's oh, so satisfying totally. yeah and you probably if you win all the time slightly cliche but you don't when you lose to then win yeah. that feeling that you're like never mm. want to lose again and then when you win it's so satisfying yeah and leave it like in 2015 you know leaving that tournament being like far out we couldn't have done any better yeah that's always just the best such feeling. a good feeling yeah. yeah so obviously now you're moving into a new challenge and a different team in yep. Auckland and you excited about that? And really excited. I've already been into um, the Blues camp a few times and just slowly introducing myself to, you know, the personnel and, and starting those relationships. I don't want to turn up midway through the season and be like, hey, my name's Bodie, like, nice to meet you. And <laughs> like, we those, know who you are. Do those awkward things. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to show face and pop up at random times and... Um, yeah, I need to be learning the game plan and the moves because it's like learning a different language. You're mm. there's different calls and different. Um, yeah, it's so different, but so exciting. It's a change that I felt that I needed mm. because it will be my tenth year playing wow. Super Rugby in New Zealand, and for a life decision, it's um, such a good one because it just makes sense naturally and. We're both so happy up here so mm -hmm. far and, and really enjoying it. Um, I guess as well being, coming from two environments that you were relatively comfortable in, like you'd been in for a while, did you find coming into a new environment like your first day at school almost? Like, Absolutely, I walked in and that's what I said. Sheepish yeah. <laughs> and 
and I'd sort of seen a few of these management, like because when you go to the stadium, you notice the opposition, and then there's the support staff around them. I'm like, oh yeah, so I've met, I've seen you, but I don't know if I've met. Hey, I'm mm. Bodie, and it's so all those little introductions that, like I said, I just want to slowly, gradually um, ease my way in, rather yeah. than a big hey, here I am sort of thing. Totally, because <laughs> that's not what I'm like. No, you're goal orientated. Yeah, I think it's important to um, each year refocus and, you know, set some long-term goals for the year, but also, yeah, just maybe quarterly goals, keep mm. keep sort of those um, immediate things in mind. So, yeah, I do write down a few things at the start of each year and, um, you know, off-field goals and on-field goals and so on like but um yeah I'm not religious but it is good to refocus after each year and then I guess uh, the underlying drivers are so important to know them for when you know times get tough and mm. you sometimes wonder well you lose track at times you just need to so yeah and what ultimately drives you so I I mean I just want to be the best player I can be and you know I've gone around the circles at times I want to be the best player in the world but sometimes like I've been that person twice Mm. but that's I'm not satisfied by that like Mm. I want to be the best I can be and that's all I can ask for because like that goal is obviously you know we've got a player in our team who's well, a couple of players have been nominated for that and it's a massive achievement. Like, mm. to, there's so many rugby players, so many hockey players to actually be to, to be nominated and then to win that mm. award is huge but goes to show that at the end of the day, whether you're winning a World Cup or you're winning World Player of the Year or whatever, yeah. there's, more, there's more to it than that. 100%, because even if... In years that I won that award, I knew that I was far off the best that I can be. So that's what drives me as being the best that I can be. Chasing perfection, although I know there's nothing perfect in the world and sometimes Mm. in the past I've been frustrated by being, you know, Mm. too obsessed with perfection. But, um, yeah, from a holistic point of view, a young boy growing up from Taranaki and thinking that I'd be here in 20 years time like I'd be kidding really mm. so I have to keep it keep it real but ultimately just being the best player I can be is, is something that drives me and I know that if I do that I'll do my family proud I'll do myself proud and uh, that means so much to me so mm. yeah cool well you're doing pretty well Thank you. So far, so good. (laughs) Thank you very much. Hey, well, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I'm I'm flattered that you chose my podcast to be. It's the first potty that I've uh, signed up to. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. It's really (laughs) on the media scene. Um, Thank you so much. No worries for this year. Same to you, Rosie. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed our chat. If you did, please share with a friend. Otherwise, have a fabulous day and I'll see you back on here sometime soon.